0: I'm Alyssa. I'm Alyssa. And I am not Alyssa. This is 52 Women, the official podcast of the Montgomery County, Maryland chapter of the National Organization for Women. So we have a lot of exciting stuff to talk about tonight and a lot of it's local, which Yay. I feel like we haven't had local stuff in a while. <laughs> and I'm really psyched about it. So we are recording on January 25th. Um. On uh, this past Tuesday, on the twenty third, there was a lobby day with Moms Demand Action. Um, they have a bill they're proposing um, to close some of the loopholes around domestic people convicted of domestic violence and taking their guns away because by law they're not supposed to have guns. Mm-hmm. And EB two attended that with um, some of our chapter members were there, but. Um, we were going to give her a lot of time to talk about that because for those of you who are fo- who follow us on Facebook, we were kind of posting the updates as they were happening all day. So, um, yeah, I'm really interested to hear about it since I haven't really heard about it.
1: Yeah, so um, first of all, the, uh, one of our members is a like an area leader. Um, I think I might be saying that wrong. Team leader um, for... One of the areas and what they said at the training that we did, which I kind of like it's skipping ahead, but what they said at the training was that uh, when Moms Demand, which was started by a woman named Shannon Watts, who lived in the Midwest, day after Sandy Hook's homeschools her kids, I think she has like five kids, um, day after Sandy Hook, she was like, that's it. Like, I can't do this anymore. Common sense gun law has to be a thing. Started a Facebook group. Um, and she was actually, if you want to hear her on a, um, hear her speak, she was just on Majority 54, which is Jason Kander's podcast, and, um, she talked all about her story, but she was getting death threats within, like, a week or two of starting a Facebook group of moms who wanted common sense gun laws. Um, so in Maryland, when Moms Demand first started, there were, like, 26 members total, and now they have 29 district leaders Mm. alone, and, like, there were, like... 200 people at this event, um, which was on a weekday, you know, so big deal to get that many people. Um, so it started on uh, Lawyers Mall in, in Annapolis, and um, one of it happened that Michael Bush, who's the Speaker of the House, happened to be walking by, and one of the organizers saw him and like ran over <laughs> and we're like, Hey, hey, Speaker Bush, like we're about to have our press conference, would you mind? And he wasn't scheduled, but he came over and kicked off the press conference. Oh, nice. He did like three sentences, but one of them was, "I stand with the moms," and everyone cheered. Um, and there was a, a woman there who was one of the leaders who did a, like a call-in response with statistics about gun violence, um, which we posted, I think. Yes. Um, there were. Um, there was um, the woman, a woman who had survived gun violence herself. Um, which we also posted, but just uh, like to give you a synopsis. She was a police officer. Uh, She married her husband. He was like loving. They had a wonderful relationship, and then he started getting controlling, and things started going downhill. Um, He had an arsenal of guns in his closet. Uh, She would wake up in the middle of the night or in the morning sometimes, and there would just be the sound of bullets spinning and then click, spinning and click. He was playing Russian roulette. At the back of her neck um, they had a small child um, she slowly started getting rid of his guns um, so that he wouldn't notice that they were gone he had a huge collection of guns um, he got mad one night they were out he got mad um, he pulled over to the side of the road tried to get her out of the car she wouldn't get out so he brought her back to their house and um, She texted her sister from the car to tell her where to find her body if he, if she couldn't find her. Um, He got, there was one shotgun she didn't know he had. Um, And he ended up, she ended up calling her own police department that she worked for. And they got there just in time to save her life with the gun pointed right at her head. Um, And so her metaphor was like, we can't leave one gun in the closet. Yeah, you can't take all the guns and leave one gun in the closet. Yeah. Um, so that was really powerful because it pertains to the bill. Um, so, oh, and also there was a um, um, Tyrone Collington, captain from the Tacoma Park Police, was there. He and I talked to him before he spoke, and he just introduced himself as Tyrone because he was not there representing. I mean, he was wearing his Tacoma Park Police right. jacket, but he was not there as a as a um, part of his job. He was there personally on personal time. And he was introducing himself to everybody as Tyrone. Um, I didn't know he was going to speak when he was there. And then he spoke and he talked about being shot himself um, when he had been called to a domestic violence situation. That's the video I didn't watch. Yeah, he was was shot himself protecting someone else. Um, And so his point was it's not just good for the people who are living in these situations. It's also good for law enforcement. So if you can't care about them but you can't care about law enforcement. There you go. He was just and it it was really powerful to have him pile that layer onto it too as a talking point for some of the people who would be lobbying later in more conservative districts right.
0: than ours. Right, because not that our district doesn't support the police. I've right, never no, no, of heard anything do, yeah. differently that we don't support the police, but to your point, in more conservative districts, the message of let's help our police force, let's help our law enforcement will probably hit home more than we got to help these women, which I don't agree with that. Yeah. But. Right. That's true. Though. But it is what it is. But it's good to have, it,
1: yeah. as long as we get the bill passed. Yeah. Whatever. It's, hey, means to an end. Yeah. Um, so then Delegate Atterbury and um, v- Vanessa Atterbury and Senator Will Smith spoke. Uh, they're the two sponsors in the house and in the senate Mm -hmm. and they spoke very briefly but they were awesome they're really really powerful speeches Mm -hmm. um delegate atterbury was like this is enough like it has to be this year Mm -hmm. has to and she you know repeated that many times um senator smith apparently his wife is pregnant so he was talking about how he's going to be a dad who demands action soon so that was that was just it was really you know nice and powerful to hear from them um and then we went off there were four, um, three or four protesters there. Um, They were all holding giant signs that basically just said like things like Second Amendment, the Constitution matters, it's my Bill of Rights. Um, They didn't say anything during the press conference, but um, as we were walking by them to go to the House of Delegates, they did start shouting at us, um, and they were shouting things like, these are Jim Crow laws. White people are shouting. These are Jim Crow laws. I happened to be walking with a black guy as I was walking by them, who was super nice. I'd been talking to him the whole day and I, or the whole morning, and I was like, "How can white people yell black or Jim Crow laws at a black man?" And he's like, "Just don't engage. We'd rather have <laughs> don't we'd rather have the dumb protesters than the smart ones." <laughs> um, but apparently. Um, what happened after and we heard about it before it's it's a there we're gonna post a link, I guess. Yes um,
0: I there's a few stories and I'll find one that's I'll find the one, but there's were a local
1: you guys made the local Baltimore yes, the News. Baltimore News. Yeah. So we all had pins on that had stickers saying who our delegates were and who our senators were mm-hmm. so that we, when we walked around you would know. And some reporters from WVAL must have seen that there were some women in there. Yep. that that were in that district. So they started interviewing these women. Um, And it was awesome because um, Jenny Rose sent the the video, but they had told us at the actual meeting that this had happened because it was, like, so amazing that this story had happened, that Mm -hmm. um, the woman was talking and the the guys were protesting, and they asked them, do you know what's in the bill? Mm -hmm. And the guys had no idea what was in the bill. They explained the bill to them, and then they said, oh...
0: Well, I'm I'm fine with that. I see and like I love that. That like that's yeah. like one of my favorite things about this week, other than that I learned how to make gifts. Um, which I'll tweet out later. <laughs> but um I love that because it's like I have a problem, someone on the other side walking up and saying, Do you do you know what we're talking about? Not in a condescension. just like, do you know what's going on? Yeah. Explaining it and then them being like, Oh, never mind. Yeah, that's like, fine. Like, I feel like we need a lot more of that yeah but that made me so happy yeah like oh you you got friends yeah just by like hey like we don't want to take i don't know how many times obama had to say it but whatever <laughs> but we don't want to take guns from law-abiding citizens but we want to take guns from guys who've been convicted of beating their wives or threatening or right. their partners or whatever and it's like a common ground issue that people can say, "Oh, right on. Yeah, sounds great."
1: Right, and so so the bill, what it is is so in the it's changed. They've they've tried to get it through two times. This is the third time, but they've changed it. They've narrowed the focus. So basically, when um, you are convicted of um, well, there's a list of things of which you could be convicted where you are no longer allowed to own guns, mm-hmm. and if Joe Schmo does that, goes to try to buy a gun. The background check would pop. No, you're not allowed to buy a gun. You've been convicted of one of these offenses. Mm-hmm. But there's no mechanism to go to Joe Schmo's house and get all the guns he already owns. Mm-hmm. And there's no mechanism by which the court can check to be sure that has happened. So what was happening before was... In, and so, so anyway, before this bill was all... All the people on that list were covered under this bill. They would have now they've narrowed it to just domestic abusers because it was too wide for to get the votes it needed. It was getting changed too much in committee coming out of committee like a different bill. So under this bill um, you would have you would be told by the judge that you have to surrender all your firearms. You have 48 hours to do so um, and that, you have to get a receipt, like say you sell them back to a gun place rather than bringing them to the police station, that's allowed, but you have to get a receipt, like a special receipt filled out and signed, and you bring that back to the court to show that you've surrendered your guns.
0: Which is cool, because it, it it satisfies the, well, these people paid good money for these mm-hmm. things. Well, you can sell them. Yeah. You can get your money back. You, you can do whatever. We just need the proof. So right. again, check.
1: Well, and before, I guess, the only mechanism for getting the guns was a protective order. Mm. So if a woman had filed a protective order, then um, they could go get the guns. They, they had a search warrant automatically. Once you file a protective order, you get a search warrant automatically. And so they could go, like, for things like that, I guess. So they could go get the guns. But protective orders are very hard to get, apparently, mm-hmm. and also only last a year.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: anyway, th- this, this was to close... This was to close that loophole specifically on um, people who have been convicted of um, domestic violence or domestic abuse.
2: How many people actually get convicted, though? I
0: don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Probably something for us to look into, but it seems well, like it, it's a big enough issue that
1: yeah, unfortunately. People who are the victims of abuse—it's often hard for them to seek legal yeah. help because of the cycle of abuse. So I think there's only there's only so much that you can do if if um, it's not reported.
2: Yeah, but even if it is reported, how many of those people actually get convicted?
1: I don't. I mean, I don't know that number. I mean, I I can Google. It. I don't know though. I really don't. This. I mean, the the. Um, the focus of, of this is narrower than these people would like it to be, if that mm-hmm. if that's what you're I mean, it's it's narrower than they want it to be. But I think it's the best they think they can get through based on the last two years. And apparently Judiciary Committee, I I mean I learned this that day, is really hard. It's really hard to
0: get things out of Judiciary Committee. As we know with our with our next topic. Yeah. Spoiler.
1: Yeah. So anyway, um, there, uh, the other important thing that they, that they told us were that um, 14 other states have this law already, have closed this loophole already. Um, Connecticut, Minnesota, Rhode Island, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Colorado, Nevada, and Tennessee. So it does if Tennessee can pass it, it yeah. doesn't seem that radical. Um, anyway, it felt like a good day's work to me. I felt like they were super organized. They did um, tons of prep work and leg work and um I felt really prepared to I mean not that I was the main talker anywhere but I felt really prepared when it was m- like we had down time to talk to our personal delegates if we didn't have a meeting with them or something I felt like I could talk about it um and yeah so I mean if it, it does not have a number yet and it does not have a name yet so once it does we can tell people and they can support it
0: this article doesn't have how many people are convicted, and it's not by Maryland. It's just... Um, but it says only 25% of physical assaults perpetrated against women are reported to police. So I'm sure it's an even smaller number than, what, yeah. than who's convicted. But I, I think even if this helps a small number of people, it's still a good thing. Yeah. And maybe it, it's one of those things where... Where they were talking about this at Mlaw with something else, but you need precedent to expand upon something. Yeah. Which I'm sure my legal terminology is wrong, but yeah. you need a baseline to add on. So if this is narrower than they originally wanted it to be, then maybe they'd be, you know, in the future, yeah. if it's past, they'd be able to expand upon it. It can help more yeah. people. But well, and the other
1: thing, too, is like, well, like Lisa said, like you, who knows how many of those get convicted. Also, I mean, it's only their legal guns.
0: Right? Yeah, right. I mean, the right. guns they bought
1: legally that, that anyone you knows
0: they have. You don't need a background check to from a gun show. Right. And you a, could well, drive to Virginia and get it. And yeah. also,
1: like, the guns they're collecting from them, if they have bought one of those not on the record, then no one knows they own it. Whereas if they have registered, like, if they have registered yeah. firearms, it helps because they're turning in the registered firearms. But, like, if they've bought a gun illegally, then. Yeah. Or they've had it handed down to them and they don't have it registered or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so for sure it's not, yeah, I mean, like, there's a long way to go, um, but it felt like a good, anyway, felt like I, I didn't feel like I wasted my time.
0: Well, thanks for doing that. I was sorry I couldn't go, um, but, you know, work stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um.
1: It was, yeah, it was cool, and I, and I would say that anyone who has the opportunity, I'm lucky that I was, I have daytime availability, anybody who has the opportunity to go to any lobby day, or to go sit on any committee meetings um it was really just really interesting
0: yeah
2: mm-hmm.
0: um all right so keeping with the whole maryland legislature theme um one of our and we've talked about this piece of legislation a lot a lot a lot of times awesome grammar so many times <laughs> um the bill it's sb2 hb1 um bill to terminate the parental rights of rapists um, we we shared this article earlier, but it cleared the Senate Judiciary Committee mm-hmm. this week, which is awesome. And the other um, awesome part of it is that it made it out. I think it. I'm looking in this article. I think it made it out with like one amendment. But the the right the sponsors and the people they interviewed weren't really concerned. They're like, oh, it's not a problem. It's fine. Like yeah. it's not. They were worried about much more substantive amendments. So. It made it out of Senate Judiciary Committee, which I think is a huge hurdle, and I think it's what has kind of stopped it up before. Yeah. Now, as you were just saying, Senate Judiciary Committee is really, it's a tough one. Well, we
1: talked to one delegate at this thing who said, I've nev- in, all, in all my years of re- being a delegate, I've
0: never gotten anything out of the Senate <laughs> Judiciary
1: Committee that I'm the sponsor of. <laughs>
0: Oh here you go. this tells so the committee approved two amendments one added sponsors to one added sponsors, which great, and the other removed the sexual assault legal institute as the only nonprofit organization to get referrals of victims in need of legal counsel. so my uneducated legal mind thinks that sounds pretty positive yeah so it's headed to the Senate soon um. In keeping with the, I guess we have to say something positive about Larry Hogan, like once a week, mm. he has signed on that he supports, or signed on, but he has said he supports the bill. It's been nine years. It's about time. So thanks, Larry, <laughs> for this week. Um, but yeah, we're we're excited about that. Um, I know we we've, we've been sending action items out about it. So we'll keep people posted if there's something to do. Um, I had emailed, I can't remember, I think I emailed the Senate Judiciary Committee because the action item we sent out gave you, you just had to copy paste the email addresses. You can email the full committee and just say, I support this bill. And there were a few, um, senators, representatives who emailed me back. Yeah. Like whether it was the actual senator, um, or the senator's like assistant or whatever, but I got at least three messages back from an email address of maybe I don't know, 10 or 12 people. That's so good. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so if there's further action, we'll let everybody know about it, probably via action alert, because that's more timely. Um, and you can always thank people for making,
1: like, I forget how many bills they see, thousands of bills, and they, like, don't, I mean, truly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you could always say thank you after the fact, too. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, our legislative session is only 90 days and everything's like, yeah. go, go, go. Like with this, um, domestic violence bill and then this, it's, it's just going super quick. And like, I find myself like refreshing, like my feed all the time to see like what's going on, what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to like refresh myself on how to track a bill because there's a way, um, in the Maryland legislature has a website and you, if you know the bill number, you can track it. Right. And it's really, really cool. I had to use it for a grad school project years ago. Um, but it's, it's, but it's, it's like this, fun to this watch semester, this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, like, this domestic violence bill will get voted on likely, hopefully, out of committee this session. Yeah. It will certainly go into committee this session, and it still doesn't have a number. Yeah. You know, like, that's how quickly it moves. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I remember. I was, surpri- I was so surprised by that. I remember one of the goals was to get... because correct me if I'm wrong, but going into Tuesday, you guys didn't have co-sponsors, right? Or you didn't have sponsors? No, well, they did. They did?
1: Well, I don't know about Senator Smith, because I don't know the background of it, but, but um, um, Vanessa Atterbury was the sponsor before. Okay.
0: Okay. So I, I was wrong. But yeah, good news. But maybe um, in the Senate they
1: didn't. I don't know. That might be what it was.
0: Mm. Um, all right, cool. And um, kind of... Keeping on the vein of sexual assault, I don't. Where the day after um, the judge, Judge Badass, as I'm going to call her, um, <laughs> handed down um, Larry Nasser's sentencing um, 40 to 175 years. My favorite sentence ever. <laughs> um, it's pretty broad range. I was fortunate. Well,. I was fortunate enough to be able to watch that live like it fell on a point where I could like w- actually watch it like listen to a video and I, I like first of all I cried at the end when like she left and everybody clapped I don't know why like it was just like an emotional release yeah. um but it, it was um I don't want to say it was nice to see but it was nice to see like Like here's a judge standing up there saying you're despicable. What you did was despicable. I'm giving you a appropriate sentence versus you tried to rape somebody behind a dumpster and I'm gonna give you three months and you're gonna serve six weeks because I don't want to upset your swimming career. I also
2: loved how How also the judge was a woman. Well, the judge was a woman. Yes,
0: yes. (laughs) It's probably a high, you know, a big uh, contender there for why that happened. I also loved how she referred to them as the sisters, the sister gymnasts or whatever in her yes. yeah and she she gave it was like 150 more than 150 women the opportunity to speak. She didn't cut them off. she didn't say oh I said we're only gonna do two days and now it's five or six. She gave everybody the opportunity to speak, which I
1: think was so important. Well, and I think she let people add, right? Like Allie Reisman's speech was like, I think at the beginning she said like, "Thank you for." Yeah. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna speak publicly. But then when I saw everybody, I decided I wanted there to read few, my yeah, out Yeah, there loud. were
0: pe- there were a few people. There were a few few <clears throat> women who wanted who were gonna stay anonymous, and then they were like, "Nope, yeah. we're gonna do this." Um. And yeah, it was. Uh, it was super. I hate I hate the word empowering, but it was just. Empowering isn't the right word. It's inspiring. Inspiring, like, thank you. It looks like someone's like listening to these women that they were ignored for so long. They were gaslighted for so long. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah, and the journalists who broke that story. The yeah, first the Indiana. Yeah, for, yep. yeah, that was. A lot of people working really hard. Yep.
0: Yep, and her her gift. The gift that has resulted of the just throwing <laughs> the paper aside was awesome. And the, uh, oh, that was what I was going to say. Like, when he had his statement and he was, like, turning around. Did you see that? No. Mm. Oh, I didn't want, no. I mean, I, well, I don't know. Maybe it it was, was right at the beginning. He I had read a, the statement. Well, he had a statement and he was like, I just have a short statement. And he kept trying to turn around and, like, look at all the survivors and be like, you and you and you. And yeah. she was like, don't, no, no. Yeah. Do, do not look at those women, sir. Yeah, good. She also kept calling them survivors instead of victims. Yes. Yes. Which is, again, not... We don't see that a lot, and that's how it should be. And it was nice that they got those... They, you know... They... And after each of them spoke, didn't she say something like, this wasn't your fault, this was done yeah. to you? You Like, so it was, it was just... It was awful, an awful situation, but it's nice to see it handled what yeah. I think was well. Well,
1: and it was an awful situation in which not only was the abuser doing what he did, which was the most awful, but he was enabled by so many people. The Unbelievable.
0: president of the school just resigned.
1: Yeah, M- Michigan State. Yes.
0: And who, three from, was A it? A woman. Yeah. yeah, three from USA Gymnastics resigned. Is that where are they... I have to... Because it was... She... Lou Anna Simon resigned last night. And I think... I can't remember if it's USA Gymnastics or the Olympic... She gave a
1: horrible apology, too. It wasn't even an apology. She was like, "There, everybody needs to place the blame somewhere. So, of course, it's going to be on the president of the university. So, I'm resigning. That was like her. She wasn't apologetic she,
0: at she, all. Well, she said, like, I'm sorry this... I, I, this evil, evil man. Like, you enabled him. You enabled him. Like, you, like, they're still billing one of the girls for the medical treatment. Yeah. And I, like, I couldn't understand what is this medical treatment. Like, I, like, I didn't understand. And then I saw this article yesterday where it was a doctor of physical therapy was explaining, um, it's like pelvic floor release. Mm -hmm. Where it does involve inserting fingers into Mm -hmm. a woman to release the pelvic floor but they're like you know what it also involves informed consent and talking to the parents about what's going to happen and wearing gloves and uh, like this whole thing that goes into like this is the difference between what he did and what we do that is actual medical treatment I'm like
1: oh and also when I pick someone to do my I mean I I happen to not as I mean this guy was a violent abuser, but yeah, do- regular doctors who aren't violent abusers, I happen to not matter, I happen to not mind whether it's a man or a woman, mm-hmm. but some people really do. And so like, yeah. even if this was a legitimate situation, you would think that they would also be given the choice to have a female doctor do the procedure if they so chose. I yeah. mean, just like we all have that choice when we're picking an OBGYN.
0: Yeah. Or all of us who live near multiple OBGYNs. Yeah. Um, and then I also thought it was, it was interesting how the judge said, that's what it is. It is the U.S. um, Olympic Committee, entire USA Gymnastics Board must resign.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but how the judge said in her sentencing, like, I, like, this goes beyond him. Yeah. Like, justice isn't what's being handed down. Essentially saying, like, there are other people that have to pay but, like, she can't do anything about it. But yeah. it was nice to see that recognition. Like, he did what he did. And she even said something like, like, you you sought this out. Like, there were people who enabled you. Yeah. And I hope those people come to justice. Me and too. And doesn't happen again. But, yeah, we thought we'd uh, give her kind of a shout out. And some people are upset about some of the language she used and said she's too emotional. And I didn't. I think she's an elected judge, sorry. I
1: think I read that she's an elected judge. I don't know. I, wonder, I kind of wonder what the difference... Do you know what I mean? Like, what the difference is, mm-hmm. like, between elected and appointed and, like, how the... Like, I, I would wonder what the courtroom vibe generally... Like, that's the other thing. I think a lot of these people... And, I mean, I guess me too. But, like, they're they're making either criticisms or whatever based on watching this one thing. Like, how many trials have you yeah. <laughs> ever watched? <laughs> or sentencings have you ever watched? Like, like... <laughs> It's just funny to hear so many people all of a sudden experts on the vernacular chosen by a judge. Such a
2: also, a lot of people were mad at her that she let everyone speak. Yeah. When she lets everyone speak at every trial, she does. Yeah.
0: Which I think you you needed to in this case. Mm-hmm.
2: Like, you, you needed to. But she didn't to. even do anything differently, though. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a that. yes, I see your point. Yeah. Like, that's yeah, she said that. She's like, I always do this. And she was very clear that this is about them, not me. Don't reach out to me for comment unless you have a survivor. And all that. Um, no, I also like how she read his letter, his whiny, whiny letter about how he, the AG manipulated him into pleading guilty and blah, blah, blah. And she just looked at him. and She's like, oh, would you like to withdraw your plea? Yeah. And also how the media manipulated the women the way, yes, yes. into
1: thinking that something had happened that hadn't. Yeah. And then said the hell half no fury like a woman scorned. I mean I if I was that judge, I would have done way worse than ripped up this paper. Just like I just feel like she showed a lot of restraint. (laughs) She just said I signed your death warrant. She didn't actually kill
0: him in the (laughs) courtroom. It's restraint. She didn't say rotten jail, asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. Hope it hurts. Douche.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like um. Oh, so, uh, maybe, may, can we be optimistic that maybe there is a reckoning coming? I don't know. I don't know. Like, I saw an article, this wasn't on our list, but it made me super happy. Jessica Chastain and Octavia Spencer. I saw cha- I, I was saw just it. telling Eric yeah. yeah. about this. Yeah. They're going to be in a movie together, and Jessica Chastain, when it, like, said to Octavia, like, you're getting paid what I get paid, and they went in. And I think Octavia Spencer is winding up with, or they're both winding up with five times more than they actually, than they asked for.
1: Which harkens back to that article that we just texted about, but about um, the woman from Grace Anatomy. Ellen Pompeo. Yeah, who did that, gave that interview where she said she tried to do that with Patrick Dempsey. And they were like, Because nope. she wasn't getting paid as much as he was, and he said no. Yeah, she was like, "I want to tie our salaries together so we can negotiate. We can negotiate yeah. more strongly." And he said he declined to do that with her.
0: Yeah, and now that he's gone, she seems to have a lot. Yeah. She well, she gives Shonda Rhimes credit for empowering her and helping her. Yeah. Um. And, but yeah, that that was a fun article. We're, that's cool. And that that's how you be. That's how to be an ally. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Something as simple as saying. We're gonna get paid the same, and we're gonna go in and do this together. And we're negotiating together, and and there was no clause of well, if they say we're getting the same, and they're saying well, we're giving me the lower pay that I'm gonna be like no 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 I want my own salary it's yeah. like joint joint power there yeah um, yeah woohoo sisterhood yeah that was awesome um, well the other thing so. We know last week we said we would talk about human trafficking, but because there was a lot going on this week, we're going to push that to next week. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is that EB2 and I attended over the weekend a forum for the, it's, I don't want to say Democratic because there was a Libertarian, um, delegates who are running for District 6. So John Delaney seat, um... Which I will not be voting in for the first time in a long time. Oh, I will. Because I moved. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and we're not, we're not endorsing anyone. Mm -mm. Like, this isn't, because we're not doing that. And this was only the Democrats and the Libertarians. Yeah. The Republicans running for the seat were there. Yeah, there were no, and I don't know if they were, they were invited. It was put on by Diversity Matters and another organization, which we should maybe make friends with, um, Women's Alliance for Democracy and Justice, um, and then Diversity Matters. So the people who were there were Kevin Caldwell, was the Libertarian, um, Roger Mano, Nadia Hashimi, Aruna Miller, Andrew Duck, and David Trone. And I did not know David Trone was so controversial. Yeah. As there were legit protesters driving into the forum, yeah. and then protesters who. A lot, use, a lot of I'm them. I'm gonna use signs. the word swarmed the library where we were. Um, Yeah. Fortunately, they didn't get rowdy until the very end, and then they calmed down a little bit. Yeah. But it got, um, when they walked in, you could, like, feel, like... Yeah. Um, but it was interesting. Everybody got, everybody got the same question. Everybody got the same amount of time to answer. You weren't allowed to call out questions from the audience, which some audience members did not like. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Some audience members actually got up and left because it they, was an interesting audience because they couldn't do that. Um, Great break down there. And uh, <laughs> and yeah, they it was uh, some some more surprising. I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll say what I whispered to you during it. Right? Was you sit down, white guy. <laughs> oh, I did whisper that one about the libertarian. <laughs> Well, he said we don't need like social programs are yes. trying to destroy. Yeah, um, I, I, the, you know, I just felt like they all gave similar answers to the questions because they got the same questions, and it was like by the end you were hearing the sixth, whatever, fifth or sixth well, time the, the same, and they commented on it. And I
0: think yeah, Nadia said, and they what the thing they did was not they didn't always have the same order. Right. Which was nice. Right, they, yeah, everyone got a chance to go first. And everyone got a chance to go last. And Dr. Nadia Hashimi said the, the crappy thing about going last is everyone already said what you want yeah. to say. Um, um, but I liked it. I and, I, and I kind of felt like,
1: I mean, the Republicans would have disagreed about a lot of things. I mean, that's why they're two different parties. Climate change. Yeah, a lot of things. <laughs> but in Maryland, in that district, yeah. I, I think they would have been closer than they are other places. Yeah. And the fact that all of these candidates... On varying spectrums of the liberal of varying places on the liberal spectrum all answered, maybe they had different ideas about how to get somewhere or different but they had the same priorities healthcare, climate they had had similar ideas for what could be done better in Maryland, I don't know, it was just like it kind of felt safe
0: and heartening to know that they were all thinking about these things. (laughs) Yeah, there were only a few like, my comment to you was that I was, I was disheartened that only two mentioned the economy like in one question yeah yeah only in one question it was like what are your top three issues or what are your top two issues and only two I mean I think Roger Mano kind of alluded to it like Mm -hmm. in a roundabout way like he like you could you could read into what he was saying and I didn't write it down so I'm not sure if any of the others alluded to it I, I just Trone did. Trone, Trone, well, Trone, about, yeah. Trone and Andrew Duck yeah. t- specifically talked about it. Yeah. And it was interesting because Andrew... I guess Andrew Duck is from Fre- the Frederick area. Yeah. Um, and he also stood out to me because the thing with District 6, and they had it up on the board so you could see how effed up it is, <laughs> it's Montgomery County, and then it's Allegheny, Washington, and Garrett County.
1: And I guess what they were... With, um, this guy Doc was saying was that which is new information to me was that it used to be a plus 14 republican district yeah before they redistricted um so this might swing a, like this might have added a little more montgomery county blue than some people would have thought it should yeah but it certainly was a much bigger improvement a much needed improvement on the 14 plus yeah red that it was because um, he had been there for all this redistricting, yes. and when Bartlett, when that guy from Frederick was in there forever, yeah. Um, but he, he had he had like w- run against him and and done all kinds of political work up there before.
0: Yeah, but my as the as the resident moderate, as I like to call myself, <laughs> my concern is always like what you're saying. in Montgomery County is fantastic. We all love it. No matter which one it is, we're all we're all there. Like. Um, there was a lot of purple in the room for Aruna Miller. Like, we're all, everyone in this, everyone in this room will be happy if it's, if it's one out of five of you. Yeah, right. Not so much with the other. (laughs) Not so much the libertarian. But it was really nice that he was there. Um. Yeah. And, you know, if you're a libertarian, you would have loved everything he had to say. But my concern is always, okay, that's great. You're talking to us. Like, we're, we're a slam dunk. Why don't you talk to the other people? What, yeah, What? why don't you talk to the other people and how are you going to talk to the other people? And I felt like some of them, and I don't know if they're switching out their messaging. I mean, Roger Mano and Aruna Miller have been elected before. I'm sure they know how to do it. Um, oh, I'm sorry. But... um some, some of the other people speaking were just very, like, progressive, rah, rah, rah. And I'm like, but do you know how to tone it down? Yeah, and when you go out there. When you go out there, like, because I'm not saying that people in Garrett County don't care about climate change, but maybe they want to hear about the economy more than climate change. And we had some women in
1: front of us. Who we just like were kind of chatting with. They were
0: from Diversity Matters. Yeah. yeah. And they were like, We gotta keep it blue. We gotta yeah. keep the seat blue. Yeah. Like, like, what like do we so, have to do to keep it blue? Right, <laughs> like and I and I felt like and again, I don't know if it was the audience, because you're an elected official, you understand sure. know your audience. <laughs> I keep picking on the libertarian. He did not know his audience. No. But um Andrew Duck and David Trone seemed to be a little bit more um, in tune to at least bringing up mm-hmm. jobs David Trone's big on the opioid epidemic he talked about his nephew who died yeah. um and that's that's a problem everywhere but I think it's a big problem in Western Maryland yeah um it was it was a I was glad I went I felt like crap um I was glad I went too and you know what yeah, else right. I getting the personal stories from
1: them at the beginning because they
0: opened yeah, it yeah I didn't know about that
1: with yeah. each of them giving their own personal story and like David Trone, who I think of as, like, this bazillionaire. Yeah.
0: Who owns total total
1: wine and more. Yeah. Who's going to run. Grew up, his dad was a pig farmer. Yeah. Like, he truly is a self-made millionaire. And he is, and and they got a divorce, and he lived with his
0: mom. Yeah. And they didn't have any money. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And um, Roger Roger Mano Mano. told a story that his dad, um, when he was a very small kid, his parents were struggling, his mom was waiting tables, and... His dad had chest pain, went into the hospital. They didn't have insurance. He got turned away, and he ended up dying of a preventable heart attack within the week. Um, and then he had a single mom. He was homeless. And, yeah, he was homeless. Yeah. He lived
0: on the street. He lived, which I... Didn't know that. Didn't know. Um, and we talked to him. Yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the shout out to MTALA, the law that prevents a hospital from turning you away now if you can't pay. That's right. Because that, and it says it on the wall in the yeah, hospital now. because that happen all the time. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, I think it's, I would be interested to see one, if they do one of these things in Western Maryland, because I think they should. And I would be interested to go to one in Western Maryland mm-hmm. to see, are they adjusting their position or the, and. I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's fine. Well, they just talk about different things. Yeah. Yeah, wow. like they could still all be for Medicare for all or no health insurance. Yeah. Um, and um, and still, you know, want to focus on economy and jobs and all that. They all talked about women
1: in some way, I would say. Yeah. Um, Roger Mano mentioned Me Too. Both of the women who were there talked about women in science and, and women... Um, who are doctors? Because they're both being represented in the House of Representatives.
0: Because yeah, Aruna Miller's a civil engineer, mm-hmm. and she was saying she if, elect, if elected, she would actually be the only civil engineer in the House of Representatives. Yeah. And she was saying it's interesting because like, that's what they do, mm-hmm. and they don't really have an informed, an informed member. Yeah. And then, um, Dr. Hashimi is a pediatrician. And she said there
1: there have been doctors but not women doctors. Mm-hmm. So she was
0: She would be the first. Yeah. Yep.
1: Um, and then I think Trone and Duck both mentioned fair pay
0: and something yeah. about yeah. It was because they asked the question was about Me Too, Black Lives Matter. Oh, right, right. All How they that. would harness yep. the energy.
1: Yes, that's right. <laughs> and
0: that's when Mr. So I I don't think the government should should put parameters around social programs and all that. He tried. He really tried. Really tried. And if you're not familiar with libertarian lines of, you know, their spiel, maybe you wouldn't have...
1: And if, in general, you would like to go to a political event and turn it into Mystery Science Theater 3000, (laughs) you could just sit next to us. Because we were really amusing the ladies in front of us (laughs) with
0: our commentary. When alyssa when he stood up and said that, and Alyssa said, "Oh, sit down, white guy. She made friends for life." <laughs> that was such a statement to make at that moment. It was just like uh. at like a Quaker
1: school. Yeah, Quakers who think like, social programs are evil.
0: <laughs> but everyone was really polite, um, yeah, aside I agree. from a few protesters yelling about,
1: well and yeah, I mean they they had a right to ask their question and they just yeah. were videotaping the answer, or video recording the answer and yelling at the candidates when they didn't like how thing, they were answering yeah. the question. And Two, the, both of them. Uh, Mano, they yelled at him. Oh, Mano that's too. right. They did yell yeah. at Roger. Answer
0: the question. Yeah, He's answer like, the question. I am Roger. The question.
1: <laughs> yeah. They they got a little They had a right to ask their question and they had a right to protest. They just were
0: Yeah, they They
1: were they were rude at the end there.
0: And I thought the candidates handled that well because the question was, um, part, parts of it weren't vague. Parts of it, it seemed like it was based on Roger and... It was a three-part question, yeah. first of all. <laughs> and Andrew Duck said the same thing. Andrew Duck and, um... Trone. Trone said the same thing that Roger said. Like, it's, it was kind of a trick question, mm-hmm. but... The three of them saying the th- same thing, I'm like, oh, okay, I believe you if you're all saying it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was a three-part question, and it was super vague where some people were like, I'm not familiar with that, so I'm not going to answer it. Yeah, they but... referenced
1: a bill from, year like, a, a year or two ago yeah, that still year, yeah, was yeah. stuck in, com- like, had yeah. ended up stuck in committee, and, yeah. <clears throat> was, I can't even,
0: I just remember. That was the excitement of the day. Yeah, that was the ex- <laughs> uh... But, yeah, I would – I was – I've never been to something like that before Mm -mm. um, outside of high school, so it's been a while. Yeah. And um, I would say you should probably look to go to something like that, super low-key, at a Quaker school library. It was really interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so if you ever have the opportunity to go to one of those events, we'd recommend it. We can't really share them um, unless it's, like, all – parties because we're technically not partisan um and you know we have the pack and we're all team don't get arrested yeah so but i
1: bet if you called
0: their i mean if it's somebody who has an office a lot
1: of these people have yeah offices and stuff or if you looked on their websites or whatever if you find out if you google who's running yeah and you look on their websites you would find out all this info because they want
0: people to come to those things yeah for and sure we totally um put the pack email address down so sorry molly um, <laughs> yeah. support. everybody got it equal opportunity <laughs> um, so yeah so um, do you want to go through our social media in case you, so everyone can find these wonderful things we're going to post
2: yes you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MC for Montgomery County MD for Maryland Now for National Organization for Women um, and our website is mcmdnow.org um and if you want to join our chapter you can go to mcmdnow.org/join we have lots of things coming up it's going to be a busy election year so come join us mcmdnow.org/join and now uh woman of the week time Woohoo! uh this week's woman of the week is Gwendolyn Brooks she's a celebrated poet and the first black author to win the pulitzer prize She was born in Kansas to a father who was a janitor and a mother who was a teacher. She and her family moved to Chicago when she was a young girl. She began writing poetry at a young age and was encouraged by her parents. Gwendolyn published her first poem at age 13, and by age 17, her writing was regularly published in Chicago's Black Communities newspaper. Gwendolyn used many forms of poetry to tell stories of the poor black people in the United States, of white racism against black people, even racism within the black community, and of the role of women in society. Gwendolyn's writing was always timely, and sometimes she was criticized for being too supportive of revolutionary ideas. In 1938, she married Henry Blakely, and they moved to the south side of Chicago and had two children, Henry and Nora. In 1945, five years after the birth of her first child and five years before the birth of her second child, her first book of poetry, A Street in Bronzeville, was published. It was critically acclaimed. In 1950, she won the Pulitzer for her poetry collection called Annie Allen. Soon after that, she was invited to the White House by President Kennedy and was selected as a Jefferson lecturer, which is the highest humanities honor given by the federal government. Brooks ever an activist believed in using her position in using her position to help other people of color succeed she left a big publishing house and gave her books to a small publishing company that was black owned because she believed in acting on her principles in 1968 she was named poet laureate of Illinois during her tenure she visited colleges universities prisons hospitals and drug rehabilitation centers She even sponsored and hosted an annual literary awards ceremony and presented prizes, which she funded with her own money. Throughout her career, Gwendolyn taught at several colleges, Columbia College in Chicago, Northeastern Illinois University, Elmhurst College, Columbia University, Clay College of New York, and the University of Wisconsin. When she was 68 years old and after publishing dozens of books of poetry, as well as two volumes of her autobiography in prose she became the first black woman ever to be appointed poetry consultant to the library of congress gwendolyn believed her most important job at the library was visiting schools and teaching and talking about poetry cool um, i love her poetry so much
1: biased no i mean just <laughs> if you haven't read gwendolyn brooks's poetry go read it now
0: <laughs> it's just so beautiful her name sounds really familiar And, um, yeah. I just, yeah, I just love her. I feel like she was on our wall in the library. Oh, yeah. With, um, Madam C.J. Walker (laughs) and Ida B. Wells. Have we done Ida B. Wells yet? Yes. We have. Okay. I was listening to another podcast where they were talking about her. Rachel just did a paper for her fifth grade class on women's
1: rights and she had to pick three figures and she picked Susan B. Anthony, Idle B. Wells, and... Someone else with a B. Oh, I wish. (laughs) (laughs) Someone whose name I can't think of because my brain is literally rotting from the inside. (laughs) (laughs) But it was someone good. (laughs) And it made me feel good that fifth graders are getting that assignment in Montgomery County Public (laughs) (laughs)
0: Schools. Yeah. That's always nice. So next week, hopefully we'll have more news on SB2, HB1. And
1: definitely Human Trafficking Prevention yep. Committee in Montgomery County next week. And
0: God knows what else is going to happen. Oh, and we'll, we'll, we're going to be at the Women's Legislative Briefing this weekend. So we'll oh, talk about that too. There you go. And um, I was listening to a... I was listening to... NPR this afternoon and they had on Dan Diamond who's the mm-hmm. healthcare reporter for Politico and they were asking him all these questions about the new office of whatever bullshit over at HHS. <laughs> um, and I'm going to see if I can find an article that Dan wrote about it and maybe we could talk about that because it's it's it, <clears throat> it was optimistic and pessimistic based on what he was saying about different things. Okay. Um, but I uh, just didn't have time to see if he, like, wrote an article about it. I was listening to him on Fresh Air, and I was like, oh, this is cool. So maybe I'll have that next week. But, um, thanks, and bye for the week. See ya. Bye.